All right, welcome to Against the Odds, part of the Extra Points Podcast Network. Cousin Sal coming to you, a heel producer, Jim Cunningham, and my gurus of gambling, my wizards of wagering, my barons of betting, my overlords of the odds, the degenerate trifecta, Harry, Brother Bry, and Darren, the parlay kid. What's happening, fellas? What's going on, Sal? Hi, Sal. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> I got to tell you, this, this, uh, uh, it's not a secret anymore, but this Penguins, uh, I hate to start with hockey, but my God, this Sabres thing, they're the worst team in sports, right? I, I parlayed the Penguins. Parley kid, I know you have them minus a puck and a half. I parlayed the Penguins yeah. with Arkansas and Gonzaga. I'm like, I'm not even going to worry about it. I need something to put with those other two teams. That makes it minus 135. They're up three nothing. Is anyone going to fix this? Yeah, well, I, can you make a line high enough? I, I'm not sure. I mean, so I got... Uh, this line minus one and a half at plus one Oh six last night. No less. Wow. You know, so, uh, I feel fortunate and the Sabres are being coached by their GM today. Just so we know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> yes, I saw that, but they, they chalked yeah, it up to COVID, so, uh, right? The whole they're thing. Pulling, Darren, Darren, they're pulling goalies off the street nowadays too. But, the, but then again, you can't, you know, the last time the Rangers played without their coach, they won nine, nothing or something like that. So, right. um, I was a little worried about that, but it's three, nothing. Yeah, it's late uh, with in the not third, much right? time left, uh, and I look, might cash minutes. in again on the Penguins. Thank you, good. Dave Damshek. Good job by you. ExtraPoints.com. All these guys, all three of these guys, every single day they make picks. Last time we came to you on Tuesday, Harry was bragging about a four-game winning streak. That I imagine is over, right? Well, it, it is because <laughs> I went. Back, I had to go. I had to go. I unfortunately went back to the NBA for two nights and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, lost those. But but on Tuesday. <laughs> Um, when we did Sharp Tank, I gave out Colorado State uh, over NC State, and as of right now, that is a that's a winner. That's already a winner. Oh, it's a winner. Okay, good, nice. Uh, Harry is excited. We're gonna have Steve Lavin on the show. Nice UCLA coach, former St. John's coach, worked for Fox Sports. Harry has questions all set. Right? You have questions. You oh. ask me, can I ask him this, that? Load it up. I'm ready. I, I love when Harry becomes a journalist. It's really, it's the greatest I, thing in the world. I'm just. I was excited. I was excited. Uh, Lavin followed me back on Twitter, and then I noticed he had four. He was following like fourteen thousand people. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> okay. Not, not really a big deal. Nice. <laughs> well, uh, I'm excited yes, to have him. Right. He's going to tell us all about uh, what upset does. Can anyone beat Gonzaga? Lots of stuff to discuss with him. Um, the trade deadline. I don't know. I looked at it. Uh, nothing too crazy, right? I saw there were like 47 emergency podcasts and breaking news flashes all around. But tell me if I have this right. Joel Solomon typed this all up for me. Miami, who was 32 to one odds, they got Victor Oladipo from the depleted Houston Rockets for Avery Bradley, Cole, Kelly Olenek, and a, and a pick swap in there somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. So that doesn't really do anything. I'm looking at it odds wise because that's all I really give a shit about when it comes to basketball. So like I said, that doesn't move them, but they are minus 210 to win that dreaded uh, Southeast division. And this is uh, Oladipo's fifth team in eight seasons. I don't know if he moves the needle. Parley kid, does that do anything for you in terms of seeing them and betting them night to night? Not really, Sal, to be honest yeah. with you. Not really, <laughs> no. All right. Well, the, the other one is uh, Nikola Vucevic went from the Magic to the Bulls who aren't going anywhere, right? Um, he's with Zach Levine now. They have two all-stars for Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and uh, Carl's Jr., like a bag of... No, I don't know. And first-round picks in 21 and 23. I don't know, obviously. Yeah, that was good, right? Orlando did well because they were not going anywhere. But, Bri, that... um, what does that do for you night after night for the, I mean, Orlando bowed out of that. Southeast. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's fine. It, it's hard to bet the. I mean, I think historically I'm so bad betting the bulls every night. So <laughs> if I, if I do, so I kind of stopped betting the bulls. I'll have to keep an eye on them. I, and my assumption, they don't have to make the playoff odds, but my assumption is the bulls odds jumped up pretty significantly. I would think as a yeah. chance to make the playoffs. So that would be the one that probably changed a decent amount. Go to Fandle uh, Sportsbook. Yeah, check that out tomorrow morning, or by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be up. Um, and Kyle Lowry was the big thing, right? He wasn't traded. Toronto didn't let him go. He's a free agent. At the end of the season, it's kind of weird. He stuck around. Um, the Lakers, they couldn't pull it off. They're still at three to one odds. They wanted Lowry, but 
couldn't add him to the team. I don't know. I'm trying to think all oh, the Clippers. They traded Lou Williams and they got Ray John Rondo. Now Rondo swung a couple of playoff games last year, right? Mm-hmm. And Lou Williams, the big joke is back uh, with the uh, lemon pepper wings right there in the magic city, the bubble incident. But I don't know how it is. This make you want to bet the Clippers more or they look more enticing. I mean, I know having Rondo on the team is going to you know, give give them a, a little bit of stability, a little bit of help. But overall, Lou Williams still is a guy who could pump in at any given night 30 points, especially in the playoffs uh, when he was strong last year. I don't know. I just think Rondo, a little older here. I don't know what he's going to really bring to this team, too. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I feel bad because I'm not excited about any of these. Like I said, ne- there have been them. emergency podcasts and people going nuts. About these trades, we must discuss them. And I'm and now I'm looking at it, but I don't know. Um, the Nuggets got Aaron Gordon about 15 points a game for from Orlando for Gary Harris yeah. and R.J. Hampton and a 2025 protected first. Uh, Jokic gets front court help, I guess. Mavs get Redick from the Pelicans. Hey, is there any chance people were talking? Now this is what started Luca. That's my first pick for MVP. And uh, could if they got a four seed, could he move up a little? I don't think he had a great game yesterday. He had like seven through three quarters. But yeah, Porzingis had the he... big game for them yesterday. Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, I, I so I think um, Reddick's going to be a nice addition for them, uh, and I think um, that's going to just help uh, Luca uh, maybe yeah. pull that award out uh, eventually. Definitely. Uh, look, can I can I ask you about MVP awards? We went over this the other day, right? And Darren and I, we gave we gave Harden and Lillard, right? I, I think we, we go over like every day, yeah. Oh, I know, but it, Harden yeah. was a, Harden and Lillard both eleven to one the last time we went, right? Now, was it that high? Yeah. Yeah, Harden's still eleven to one. Lillard's plus nine fifty. They just played head to head in Portland. Harden didn't yeah. have anybody, and the Nets win. And yeah. then, and then the Nets don't have Harden last night. They lose by like forty to Utah. Like, yeah. uh, yeah. how did Harden's odds not improve there? I don't know. Makes no sense. <laughs> People were betting <laughs> the point. other way. Jokic for MVP is still the favorite at minus one ten, yeah. and LeBron and uh, Embiid are uh, six to one. And as you mentioned, yeah. Then you got Giannis six fifty, Lillard plus nine fifty, and Harden still eleven to one. And Luca, as I mentioned, is fourteen. That might be too. Tough uh, a hill to climb there. All right, so that's my roundup. I know it was lackluster, but that was my NBA trade uh, roundup. I'm very proud of James Harden. He is now stuck with the Nets for, boy, what seems like months. He did not demand a, another trade. And as of, um, you know, 6.30 p.m. Pacific time on March 25th, he will remain a New Jersey Net. So um, there is some stability in the NBA. Let's move to College Hoops. Sweet 16 starts Saturday, Sunday, now, we picked the Saturday games earlier in the week. You can go to the archives, hit extrapoints.com, go to the archives against all odds. You can pick those games. Or should we just do those over? What do you think, Harry? Do those over or not? <laughs> Whatever you think. <laughs> <laughs> I talk about it a lot on uh, Fox uh-huh. Bet Live. That, no, that's perfect uh, for how, Harry, how, 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 Sal. Harry can pick the other, line, uh, the other way next time. Uh, so. oh, I'm sure that would work out played, very well for I'm Harry. sure he's done yeah. that on his other I'm, publications. I, I, yeah. <laughs> But Sal, how many times have you said you love Baylor in the last week and a half? A zillion. Like more I than, know. I mean, it's become the new who's going to win the NFC East on our yeah. show on Fox Bet right. Live on FS1. But um, but let's start. Let's knock through these. Gonzaga, obviously, number one overall seed. Um, haven't really had much trouble. 13-point favorite over Creighton. 158 is the over-under. I know this is a cop-out, but I, I'm staying away from this. I, I feel hmm. weird. I have them on a bunch of money line parlays. But I feel like they will be tested, and yet I don't trust Creighton either. It was like nine days ago they lost by 25 to Georgetown. So, and, you know, the Zags are shooting 42% from three. I'll leave it up to you, Polly kid. What do you like? This is a big number to cover. I don't know what's there, there's, there's, uh, what's there not to like about the Zags uh, mm. here, Sal. Um, you got to remember just a short time ago, this Creighton team, like you just said, lost to Georgetown, got by UC Santa Barbara, barely, right? Mm-hmm. Just squeaked by. Um, no undefeated team. You know, not since 1971 has an undefeated team lost in the Sweet 16. 8-0 huh. in the Sweet 16. Usually get by this game. Creighton center, Sal, 6-7. 6-7. Mm-hmm. What did Drew Timmy do against Oklahoma, who had a legit shot-blocking center? Dominated him. Uh, I think he, t- he tears this center up from uh, Creighton. Creighton's only shooting 44% over their last eight games. That's right. not going to get it done against the Zags. The Zags are shooting it at 55% for the season, Sal. 
They're legit. This game might be close for the, for a half. Zags blow them out in the second half. Yeah. They're going to win this close to 20 points. They're ridiculous. I, I just, I just, I don't know why I don't trust this game. But brother Brian, you agree with your brother, the parlay kid. But they, they, I mean, they really look like UNLV light the way the way they just throw that ball around and yeah, get in for there sure. and, and they have the top player. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I I like the Zags too. I, I mean, I know what you're saying for a Sweet 16 game. This this line is very high, but mm. uh, you know, I'm uh, you know, I haven't been impressed with you know. I've been going against Creighton for a while here. It was good, and now it's been terrible for the last two games. But they'd have to be on fire from three, I think, to stay in this one. But the Zags, they just they kind of this might just be that season that Nova had, like in 20 what was that 2018? Was that three years ago? Mm-hmm. 2018, where they we thought maybe or I thought they'd have some close games in that that year, and they just blew everybody out of the gym. I mean, I think Oklahoma was better than Creighton. You know, again, they won that one by 16. They didn't even play well. They shot 49% from the field, which was their lowest of the season, mm-hmm. which is yeah, crazy. Which is which is wild. crazy to it's which is wild. crazy to think that. So I I think you're going to get a similar game that you got to Oklahoma. Yeah, I, I, like part of the kids said, I think they. They open this one up late. I'll say they win like 86-69. Is it time to do... Maybe you guys don't like Baylor as much as I do, but is it time to do that Baylor and Gonzaga versus the field bet? It's a little worse than even odds. It is. Yeah, it's time, right? Are we going to feel stupid when both these teams are around after Tuesday, right? And they're in the final four. And it's like, oh, of course, they're going to meet up in the final. (laughs) Um, I mean, because I think Baylor, the, the knock on them was, well, they peaked at the wrong times. Like, well... They got their mojo back now, right? Yep. Everyone's shooting. They have three scorers over 14 points a game. I don't want to get off track here. Let's uh, stick with Sunday games. Alabama, six and a half point favorite over UCLA and that Pac-12. No one knows what the hell's going on with that. We're going to talk to Steve Lavin about it. Over under is 145 and a half. Uh, Bama, I'm going UCLA here. This is not a good spot for Bama betters when they're favored between three and six and a half points. Mm. They're seven and five, but three and nine against the spread. And UCLA kind of thrives here, 13 and seven against the number as a dog under uh, McCronin. Um, I like UCLA. Harry, you're joining me. I am. Uh, you know, they they ended the regular season with four straight losses, but they've, they've turned it around here in the tournament. They uh, fell behind double digits against Michigan State, but... Didn't sweat it, got back, get to overtime, got that done. And since then, I mean, they've been fantastic. Defensively in the tournament so far, against the three, they've held Michigan State, like I just said, to 33% shooting. BYU only shot mm-hmm. 17%. Yep. And Abilene Christian, just 21%. They've only, UCLA committed eight or less turnovers in all three games. Um, and they're deep. They've got six players averaging 10 points or more. I mean, obviously Alabama can go on runs and they can get it quick and they can really beat you, beat you down when they go quickly. But UCLA, I think with the six and a half here, uh, playing so good together as a team, Cronin's got this team going well. I, I shot 46% or better in all three games. I like UCLA with the points here to keep yeah. it close. It seems too high here, Parley kid. I never really tease yeah. the underdogs anymore, especially in college basketball, but Man, they'll keep it within 10, right? I certainly think within 10. I, and I also think within six and a half. What do you say? Sal, I'm on it with you. UCLA has been very good to me so far in this tournament. It's the only team that I've kind of really won with. Mm-hmm. Uh, 3-0 and and picking them. Uh, getting six and a half. Look, Mick Cronin, and I've said this uh, a week or so ago when we were discussing the tournament. Mick Cronin is a super underrated coach. Nine straight times he made... Uh, the NCAA appearance with the Cincinnati Bearcats. Mm-hmm. That's a that's pretty impressive. Um, Alabama, Sal, is under 500 versus non-conference opponents this year. And that includes having a couple wins here in the tournament. So they do struggle against non-conference opponents. I just think, as Harry alluded to, is UCLA, they're going to make Alabama play that tempo. Alabama likes to shoot the three, but UCLA does a very good job of defending the three. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the difference is going to be. I think they keep this game close. I'm not predicting a win here, but I'm saying that they they stay within this, uh, the six and a half and they cover. All right, let's go to the one seed. Michigan, two and a half point favorite. That is light for a one seed, uh, especially in the, only in the Sweet 16. Usually see the one seed, two and a half point favorite, certainly in the final four or maybe in the lead eight. But in the Sweet 16, only a two-and-a-half-point favorite uh, against FSU, 143-and-a-half. Is 
the over-under. Um, I like Florida State. I, they have to come through. This is the only part of my bracket which looks um, somewhat <laughs> normal. Uh, otherwise, it's just <laughs> awful. But uh, I will say this for everyone who likes Michigan, the one versus four, the one is 11 and one. 11 out of the last 12, almost wow. a 10-point differential. But let's look at FSU. Last eight against the Big Ten, six and two. 38% from behind the arc. I think it was Anthony Polite. Is that his name? Four threes against, uh, against the Buffaloes. This is where Michigan is weak, and it could get out of control. Yeah. Early. I thought they could have lost to LSU. LSU mm-hmm. kind of blew that game. Yep. Uh, Parley Kid, you agree with me? Uh, you know, Sal, first, my first um, impression here was to take Michigan. Mm. Uh, but I do, I do have FSU in my final four. So, And I just think... The way FSU plays, I think they found a little bit of their offensive rhythm in the second half against Colorado, scoring 47 points. Up to that point, throughout the ACC tournament and the first game and a half, their offense seemed to have disappeared. So I think they found a little bit of something with their offense. But I think it's on the defensive side where they're going to stifle Michigan. Uh, Mm -hmm. Michigan's got that uh, Hunter um, Dickinson, freshman Mm -hmm. center. Uh, He's very good. But the the length and athleticism of these FSU kids are going to present major problems for him. And as well as the Florida State guards defensively are going to eat up the Michigan guards. They're much bigger, much longer. Michigan's going to have a very hard time scoring in this game. Florida State, if they looks like they found some offense, they win this game. Uh, so And they're getting two and a half here. So yeah. I love them. Brian, you don't want to touch the side here, you, you, but you agree that the guards will uh, will make it a defensive mess for Michigan, Florida State's guards. You're going under. Well, yeah, well, I do like I like Florida State in this one, but yeah, I like the under 143 and a half. It seems uh, it seems high. You know, I've watched these last two Florida State games, and the defense, like Parley Kid's saying, has been suffocating. You know, mm-hmm. Colorado yeah. really struggled to get shots off, but like Parley Kid was saying, all these. Everybody that's on the floor for Florida State, it doesn't matter if the guy's calling off the bench. They're all it's, interchangeable, right? They can all guard anyone. They can guard the guard. They can, guard, they can play center. It doesn't really matter. And yeah. look, when you look at, I'm also looking at for unders, their pace of play. Michigan in general is a slow team. They're just very efficient. Florida State's kind of somewhere in the middle. Uh, but this game kind of reminds me when they played each other 2018, right? It was, uh, yeah. it was just the Elite Eight, this one. I believe it was. I think, I think it, it, was, ended, yeah. it ended up 58-54, Michigan mm-hmm. won. This is the this is the game. I can't believe it's three years ago. We were we were screaming, right? That yeah. Hamilton Hamilton didn't foul right at the end right. of that game. Uh, I can't believe that was three years it ago. Could be a good but it, under. Could be but a yeah, 112 under. points when they faced off in the Elite Eight. So I think this, yeah, I think this could be, you know, it's you know, both teams in the 60s in this one. Nice. All right, last one here. USC minus two. 138 and a half over Oregon. I thought this line would be five or six. They already beat them by 14. I think they're playing the best ball out of anybody, like anybody, right? You got the brothers inside Mobley. They're terrific. They handed Kansas a top three. I think it was a third worst loss in school history. This is a franchise that's been around for 412 years or something crazy. Mm. And they beat them. And I think it's going, it's an underrated win. I think they blow out Oregon. I think they give Gonzaga a, a run for their money. What do you say, Harry? Yeah, Oregon looked fantastic uh, on Monday against Iowa. They're definitely not going to be facing a weak defense like that. Like you mentioned, Sal, they did uh, blow out Oregon earlier this season. They held them to 58 points. But right now, yeah, they're just clicking on all cylinders. Shoot 61% from three in that Kansas game. They're amazing. Seven feet one. Evan Mobley led them in assists with five. Everything's working for them. Isaiah, Isaiah White scored 13 points uh, and had three threes. And, uh, and Isaiah Mobley, 12 of 21, the brother of Evan, 12 of 21 in the tournament right now, 32 points. They're just rolling right now, and I think they take care of Oregon, move on to the next game. All right, Brian, the, the worst thing about this is that I've not heard anyone who likes Oregon. We know yeah, what happens there. I know. A little scary. I actually liked Oregon against Iowa. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know about this game. And it's a totally different matchup. You know, it's funny. I had USC on in the background, like, late night. You know, I'd have it on one of my TVs. Never really paid too much attention to it. I wanted to keep an eye on Mobley, but I never really thought 
at that time, I just thought the Pac-12 really wasn't that good. And uh, no, they had seven man, losses. Man, like you look at this I, team, like how do they have four losses? <laughs> I know, but yeah, but so far, I mean, you you really notice that Kansas game, like how long they are, how mm-hmm. you know they defend really well. I mean, Evan Mobley didn't even have to shoot in that game against right. Kansas, and it was still a blowout. So, like you said before, they already beat Oregon by fourteen during the year. This isn't going to be. It's. I think going from an Iowa to a USC is going to be so different. It's going to be tough for, for Oregon in this one. To make the final four, obviously Gonzaga is the heaviest favorite. Uh, well, there's going to be four teams that make it, but at minus 300 to win the West. The South is Baylor's at minus 140. Then you have a few couple pluses there. In the Midwest, Houston's plus 105. Loyola right behind him, plus 170. Mm-hmm. And in the East, Alabama plus 165. Michigan plus 175. Weird that the two is favored over the one in terms of picking uh, a regional winner. All right, Harry, start us off. What's the best value? Maybe not necessarily a a guaranteed winner, but what value do you see uh, being the best? I like it. Plus 240, I like the Arkansas Razorbacks. Um, Obviously, they get the 15th seed in Oral Roberts uh, in the game this weekend. And if they do move on from that, they get Baylor probably next. Uh, and they play the same type of offense Baylor does. Up-tempo, like to go, get in the high uh, 70s. Two-thirds of the last 15 uh, games, they've scored 75 points or more. And Justin Smith is really emerging. He's got 49 points in the tournament. Uh, last 13 games for this Razorback team, six different players have led them in scoring. They get balanced scoring all over the place. I've, I touted Moses... Uh, uh, Mo, uh, Moses... You got um, it. Moody. 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 Sorry. Guys, yeah. Moses Moody before the, the tournament started. Had, he had 15 last game. I'm expecting him to have a big game uh, this yeah. weekend and moving on. I like Arkansas plus 240. They're really good. All right. Brother Bry, Florida State, huh? We've talked about them a lot. Yeah. I like Florida State plus 350. I think there's a few teams. Florida State, Harry, Syracuse, Oregon State, USC. Those, those have all pretty good value. But they're currently plus 120, right, to beat Michigan. That means against Alabama or whoever they face, right, They'd be around even or plus 105 in that Elite Eight game. So I think, but I think if they beat Michigan, they're favored, right? So I feel like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like if they win, the, if you're going to bet them to win this game, which I do like them over Michigan, I would take them getting a plus 350 because I think there's definitely some value, uh, some value here. So, uh, you know, we've already covered a lot of stuff with yeah. Florida State, but uh, yeah, plus 350 is pretty yeah, good. Yeah, plus 350 is a nice number if you if you make it to the next game for sure. Uh, if you're confident enough. Oregon State, parlay kid? Yeah, why not, Sal? He had, yeah. he had the third longest odds at 11-1. to And does anybody have a more impressive resume in their last five games than Oregon State with wins over UCLA, Oregon, Colorado, Tennessee, and Oklahoma State. That's pretty impressive five straight wins right there for this team. Yeah. Uh, and now they got Loyola. Everybody's jumping on their bag bandwagon, rightfully so, after that terrific win uh, against Illinois. But it's still it's still a beat it's still a winnable game as far as I'm concerned. And then they would play the winner of Cuse and uh, Houston. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think they're in a terrible spot here. Eleven to one. I think you're getting good value. Wayne Tinkle. Yes. Wayne Tinkle is an excellent mm. coach at Oregon State. And is my father the only guy who used to always use that word, Tinkle? Is that something that you used to <laughs> growing up? So my father, you guys, Potty. anybody has to go I, Tinkle? I can't take it. Anybody, anybody um, the, o- the only, I think only in, in child's play, in child's play, <laughs> the kid, the kid references to Chucky to stay back because he has to tinkle. That's the only other time I've ever heard that word. There you go. <laughs> oh, he should have changed that name. Yeah, I wonder part, like, if you take all these teams, Loyola, Chicago, I, I don't, although I don't love them either. I think Syracuse at 6-1 to one and Oregon State at 11-1. to one. I could see one or both of those teams playing uh, Monday or Tuesday, whenever that second game is, right? I guess Tuesday, right? Um, interesting. Interesting how yeah. it goes. Uh, all right. I think the best value... <laughs> What, what are you, ringing, shaking a tambourine, Harry? What is that? Um, Sorry. The best value for Final Four is the no on Oral Roberts minus 20,000. Mm. So you have to bet a lot. to No. Uh, I'm going to say Baylor minus 140. It might not yeah. make a lot of sense to, because if you roll over from game to game, um, you know, if, they, if you assume they're going to play Arkansas and they beat Oral Roberts, Brian, what do you think the Baylor-Arkansas line is? Uh, so the minus three thirty against Villanova, yeah, and I think they'll minus, be, 
and still minus 250. And I think they'll be minus yeah. 250. It'll be about minus 150. So all you're really doing, if you don't, I, I just don't want to lay the minus 330, right? So I get that yeah. it might be 10 cents off uh, against my favor there, but I still like Baylor at minus 140. I think they're going to the final four. They're, they're one of the top two teams. If you could have one of the top two teams at minus 140 to go to the final four, you should probably take it. All right, we're going to talk to Coach. We're coming very close. All these bets can be put in at FanDuel. Yes, FanDuel Sportsbook is always one team that ruins your bracket, but that's why this year we're doing it on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because on FanDuel, your first bet is risk-free. It doesn't matter if you're betting Sister Jean's team, or if you're betting Oral Roberts, new users get up to $1,000 in site credit back if their first bet doesn't win. FanDuel has odds on all the action with games day and night, easy to use app, multiple deposits and fast withdrawals, always on promotions, and your next chance to win with FanDuel is only minutes away. And not only that, FanDuel wants to make you a millionaire. Yes, you! They're giving away $1 million to one lucky better. New and existing users get an additional shot at the payout Every day they bet the tournament. So if you want a shot at becoming a millionaire, even a thousandaire, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Just use promo code against all odds so that they know we sent you. FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code against all odds. Let's bring him in. He's in the waiting room. All right, our guest today, this is a real treat. The former head basketball coach at UCLA and St. John's University, now college basketball analyst at Fox Sports and He'll always be on the Mount Rushmore, more importantly, of college basketball coaches of great hair and suits. That combination, Steve Lavin is here. What's happening, Steve? Great to be with you, my man. <laughs> Steve, what? Um, I'll give um, best suit to Jay Wright, and I'll give best hair to Sean Miller, but I think you combined, I give you like a 19 out of 20. I don't think those guys, one's good at one and one has uh, the other, but I'm not sure they could top you with the combination. Oh. Yeah, I'll take whatever you throw my way. <laughs> <laughs> is there uh what do you think is going on here? What do you think of the quality of the play inside the bubble? And is there do you think there's a type of team that benefits from this uh this bubble? You know, it's obviously been unpredictable, and that's mm-hmm. consistent with the type of year we've had that's unprecedented and unique, uh, with the pauses, the disruptions. And so it's been a disjointed year and a disjointed March madness, but there are some consistent elements. And that is Gonzaga, who has been great from the start of the season, uh, right through the second weekend of this NCAA tournament and Baylor, you know, other than a hiccup or two uh, has been outstanding. So those two, because their firepower, their depth, uh, the margin for error they play with, uh, they can have an off night, in one statistical category and still get the win because of the fact they're loaded with talent. But uh, other than those two teams, uh, there's a lot of interesting stories, some compelling basketball, uh, but unpredictability and busted brackets uh, has been the headline. That's never going to stop. I don't think. Yeah, we were just talking (laughs) about that. Like it was Gonzaga and Baylor all year. And then everyone freaked out, I think, because Baylor got bounced in the, uh, the Big 12 tournament. And Everyone's like, oh, they peaked too early. Now I kind of feel like they're back in their rhythm. And I think you're right. We would we should expect that they meet in the finals. Who would you say, who would you be least surprised to see knock one of those teams off? Well, you know, teams that control tempo, teams that have a unique style of play, um, let's say Syracuse, you know, once again, Jim Behan doing well in the postseason because unless you play in the ACC or back in the day you played in the Big East, uh, you're facing a defense that's unique. It's ability to extend uh, play into passing lanes with the length of his personnel and uh, also keep Syracuse out of foul trouble so they're better players in the game, uh, keeps opponents off the foul line because you're less prone to foul when you're in a zone defense. And uh, most importantly is you're just not accustomed to seeing a zone defense like Syracuse's. So they're dangerous. I think also teams that can control tempo uh, impose their preferred pace or tempo. Villanova is one of those teams. Right now, UCLA, you know, they're 337th in the tempo metrics. Uh, they play at that tortoise pace. Mm. They're taking care of the basketball, only six and a half turnovers in the tournament. Uh, they've had timely shooting as well, some difficult matchups because they're going with the small ball 
out of necessity. Uh, they lost some of their frontline players over the course of the season. So, you know, those are a couple teams. And when you're scouting or handicapping, you look for the teams that can impose their preferred tempo, whether it's fast or slow. Uh, but I think if someone's going to knock off Gonzaga or Baylor, uh, they've got to shorten the game and play at a tempo that creates less possessions. And now you get some game pressure. Yeah. And obviously being a one seed, uh, 18 and 22 year olds sometimes don't respond well right. to that type of pressure. You mentioned Syracuse and you know, idiots like us were like, why can't anyone figure out this zone? And even on two <laughs> days rest or whatever, Parley right. kid has coaching experience here, but otherwise, what do you, what can you say to people who just cannot fathom why a team, a, a superior team, the Syracuse will be out. They'll be losing like 27, 14 off the bat. Like, and Bob Huggins who has been in college basketball coaching for years. Um, can't figure it out. Is it, one of those things, like if you're sparring against a lefty and it just doesn't matter because you're going to get a lefty with so much more power, you're going to see length and everything once you're playing against that zone. Is there really any way to uh, really practice for it? That's the challenge, you know, and in particular this year, because the teams don't get as much time in the venues that they're going to be playing games in. And that's another advantage yeah. uh, that Syracuse has. Uh, but yeah, you can't simulate it in practice if you're trying to prepare your team to go against Syracuse's zone. And, you know, even if you watch the film and you study it, it's still different. And their ability, again, to extend, but then collapse like an accordion. Um, and the length is, you know, a factor as well. So mm -hmm. it's just uh, unique. And now teams that have success against it see it on a more frequent basis. Uh, that's why, you know, in ACC play, uh, players and teams have a better sense on how to attack that zone. And there are concepts, you know, number one, you want to try and beat the zone down the floor by getting stops and shutouts. So if you can get high percentage looks before it gets set up, that's a big plus. Um, and then, you know, you've got to screen the zone. You've got to get high velocity cuts. You have to have good shooters. Uh, you got to be able to use purposeful dribble to drive it into the seams of the gaps and get you know, Syracuse to collapse and then kick it out where people are stepping into those three-point shots and shooting a higher percentage. You also want to get on the glass in terms of offensive rebounds because in a zone, you're more susceptible to giving up offensive rebounds because you don't have that pinpointed box out, check down responsibilities that you have in a man-to-man. -man. Now, easier said than done. You yeah. can talk about those things uh, to your team. You can practice, you know, to a certain degree. Uh, but again, once you get in the game and you face it, uh, it's dramatically different. And he's had good personnel. Let's face it, he's an outstanding coach, but also he's had a lot of NBA players. And right now, Buddy Beheim has been lights out. Uh, he's Lord. the hottest shooter right now in the country. Yeah. Harry uh, is there. He wants to ask you a question. He's a big Syracuse fan, but I think he wants to ask you about UCLA, right? Yeah, you know, uh, coach, you, you mentioned how uh, how UCLA um, it's been great defensively, uh, and they have they've been defending the three fantastic. Uh, I guess I think Abilene Christian twenty one percent. I mentioned Mississippi, uh, Michigan State thirty three percent, and BYU seventeen percent shooting the three. I mean, they've been fantastic, especially like I said defensively. How much are you rooting for Mick Cronin and the UCLA Bruins right now? Well, Mick Cronin has done an outstanding job. Let me tell you why. Um, I understand having coached UCLA for 12 years, five as an assistant, seven as a head coach, how difficult it is because of the scrutiny, because of the expectations. When you lose four straight games, as the Bruins did, and in three of those four games, they had double-digit leads in the second half. Mm. So you go into the tournament without momentum and in the midst of a skid or a losing streak. For Mick Cronin to be able to resuscitate uh, like a Lazarus, uh, bring that team back from the dead, and be playing in the Sweet 16 is really a credit to him resetting their mindset. Now on defense, uh, part of their best defense is their deliberate offense. Uh, when they have the ball, opponents don't have it. When they get deep into the shot clock, again, 337 in terms of pace or tempo. Uh, now Villanova does a similar thing in terms of their patient offense. So not turn the ball over and be impatient and get high percentage looks goes a long way to setting your defense because teams don't get fast breaks. They don't get easy ones in transition. And so, again, that's a salute to Mick Cronin. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to salute you. Five sweet 16s in six years mm -hmm. for UCLA. I think uh, pe people uh, don't give you enough credit there. So okay. uh, tip your hat there. That's pretty good. Five in six I, years. 
I appreciate that. It's a unique place, and you know that coming in. Yeah. Uh, my boss, Jim Herrick, was dismissed a year removed from a national title, mm-hmm. and uh, the four guys since me have, you know, come through the program, and the eight guys prior to me, and so the beat goes on. That is life in yeah. the big city, coaching under those banners, yeah. and trying to live up to the standard of John Wood. I think you had 21 yeah. wins with St. John's when you were let go, right? <laughs> it's like a, a, nothing. Yeah, we had, sense. we had uh, two NCAAs, two NITs. We missed the postseason one year um, when I was out with cancer, but uh, we finished with an NCAA tournament in 2015, yep. and uh, we started with an NCAA tournament um, in 2010-11. So was fortunate to have success there. But we had a new president come in, Father Harrington, uh, moved on. And uh, mm-hmm. whenever there's regime changes, as you know, unless you're Coach K or Roy Williams or, you know, Bobby Knight, um, and even with Bob Knight, he moved on from Indiana. So unless you're bigger than the university, when you have a new president or a new athletic director, um, there's going to be a regime change. And you understand yeah. that. You salute, give thanks, and uh, keep it moving and see what the next gift is, which is hanging out with you guys. Oh, that's <laughs> It's got to get better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me ask you this. What's a bigger fluke at this point, the PAC 12 dominating or the big 10 more or less tanking other than Michigan? You know, throughout the season, not to pat myself on the back, but no one could have predicted, you know, what's happened in this NCAA tournament. Uh, But my concern with the big 10 was a number of their teams uh, were slow footed. And when you get in the NCAA tournament, it's about guard play and foot speed and skill uh, the ability to knock down shots, a uh, guard play in particular. And so my concern was the slower front lines. Wisconsin, uh, you know, was very challenged in terms of their foot speed. Luca Garza, one of my favorite uh, players in the history of college mm-hmm. basketball, uh, but he's not someone that's got great foot speed. And so I think that caught up to the Big Ten some. Mm-hmm. And also, as you know, it's matchups. And, you know, a hot hand, a bounce of the ball, an official's call that doesn't go your way, and uh, you can get bumped out. I don't think it's necessarily, you know, an indictment on the Big Ten. It's cyclical, and mm-hmm. uh, this is an unusual year. It is remarkable to think they haven't won a national championship since, you know, Rick, uh, since um, Tom Izzo's 2000 team with Mateen Cleaves mm-hmm. and company, the wow. Flintstones. So, yeah, uh, but, they, but they have been to the Final Four a number of times not only Michigan State, but Michigan under Beeline and, uh, you know, Ohio State under Thad Mata. So it's not as though they're not represented in the right. Final Four through the years. They just haven't been able to cut down the nets in 21 years. Paul, hey, kid, what, what do you got? <laughs> hey, Coach Levin, how are you? Um, Good, thanks. Hey, listen, we're all New York guys here, so we follow St. John's basketball, and you did a very underrated job with uh, – with uh, St. John's three uh, 20 plus win seasons out of, out of four. Uh, I think uh, anybody would sign up for that these days, but what is it going to take to get St. John's back to the national uh, prominence that it had in the 1980s? Are those days done for St. John's basketball? Is that, we're never going to see that again, or is it, could it still happen? I think it could still happen. And uh, Mike Anderson, as you know, outstanding coach has never had a losing season in his career. Uh, but one of the challenges we're seeing across the board, not just at Georgetown and St. John's, is, is transfers. And, you know, over 700 players a year ago, oh, you know, entered that transfer portal. And I think that's maybe the biggest change in college basketball of late. You know, way back, we had the clock in the 80s. Um, mm-hmm. Then there was a the three-point line in 87. Uh, But now I think it's transfers and the transfer portal and graduate transfers. It's almost like free agency and teams can retool, reload um, and overnight, you know, change their roster. Um, But the downside is there are a lot of mid-major programs or programs like St. John's and Georgetown where programs are coming in and poaching their talent. And now you're starting from scratch. And if you don't reload with your own transfers uh, and also transfers that can play at a high level. It's one thing to get a transfer. It's another to have a good basketball player. LJ Figueroa, you know, here he is with Oregon in the sweet 16 and he was one of St. John's best players. Right. Well, they have a totally right. different season if LJ Figueroa <laughs> returns. And now there's yep. been a couple other transfers. What I've heard lately uh, in terms of St. John's and Wahab at Georgetown, yeah, Georgetown. The big seven foot center with a bright future. He's entered the transfer portal. So, 
Uh, but the, the challenges are across the country. I do um, feel for the mid-major programs that help develop these young people. And at the same time, I understand why these young people want to play at a higher level and test their mettle uh, playing in a Power Six conference. Uh, yeah. But it is one of the challenges all college basketball teams are facing right now. And that gets back to St. John's. If they could have some continuity and have a team return and stay together, a nucleus for two or three years with, you know, Coach Anderson's uh, coaching prowess, his mm-hmm. coaching chops, uh, something special could happen. It makes me sick, Coach, because, you know, the Big East has got a little on a, you know, Villanova didn't light the world on fire. So the conference itself was down. And my show, Fox Bet Live, would lead into the games. And you and Stone do a great job analyzing the games either way. But the Pac-10, sorry, the Big Ten, we got great ratings if we let in. Because the Big Ten was exceptional this year, Mm. the games. And the Big East was just the opposite, right? I just, uh, and and remember, we all grew up in the heyday of the Big East. And Mullen and Ewing and all that. And, you know, Walter Berry and and, uh, Billy Owens. And, like, but uh, you just want that to come back. And, uh I don't know. I, I hope it's not uh, asking too much. Um, They'll be back. And yeah. I think UConn coming in is a real shot in the arm. And, and they mm-hmm. got to the NCAA tournament, which is a step in the right direction. And Danny Hurley's a great fit in the Big East. He played at Seton Hall under P.J. Carlissimo. Mm-hmm. And he has a feel mm-hmm. for the Northeast. His father, a Hall of Fame coach at St. Anthony's. And his brother, Bobby, out west here at Arizona State, uh, didn't have a strong season this year, but he's done some good things with the Sun Devils. So big picture. Uh, this is a cyclical ball game. The power conferences have enough of the elements to return to greatness. It uh, doesn't mean they'll be great every year, um, but mm. the Big East will be back. Yep. Mm. Coach, let me ask you a personal question, if I can. It's um, when you're alone with your wife. No, no. Uh, so, no. When you're coaching, <laughs> I have a partner, Todd Furman. I don't know if you know him from Fox Bet Live. He's an idiot like us. He looks for gambling angles and everything. He got caught up. In a storm, he was basically co- um, praising Coach Beard and went after Coach Musselman at the same time. Basically said, when Beard looks across the sideline and sees Musselman, he's going to be licking his chops. And Musselman gets to the Sweet 16 and in his first press conference mentions Furman, not by name, <laughs> but just says this punk. I don't even know who he is. He has zero credibility. And First, what I want to know is: Does this is this a common thing? Do do uh, Ham and Eggers like us get in coaches' heads? It, it would seem like it wouldn't. And if we did, is it weird to mention it in a press conference? Were you able to shield that? You know, you try as best <laughs> you can to keep a lighthearted yeah. kind of perspective on things, because um, it could be pretty grim if you don't and you take yourself so seriously right. that you can't laugh at uh, your circumstances. And Mm -hmm. I think that goes beyond basketball. That's in life. And so, um, you know, (laughs) now with the information age and these, you know, smartphones and the 24-hour sports news cycle and the knights of the keyboard Mm -hmm. uh, that are chattering at all times and the various websites, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, technology and information. Um, And so whether it was old school talk radio or a columnist in the newspaper and now the blogs and everything in between, mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be criticism and uh, there's going to be people that take shots at you. And I think you just got to have thick skin and be able to chuckle about it. Uh, I used to say the head coach UCLA needs to have the equivalent of, you know, an elephant's hide uh, as yeah. thick as an elephant's fanny. Because uh, <laughs> in your, if you're in LA and New York, in my you know experience as a head coach, the two entertainment centers of our country and really the world for that matter, uh, you have to be able to roll with the blows some and also try and set a good example, you know, for your players in right. terms of not being focused on the things you can't control. There's a few things, you know, you've got to stay locked in on in terms of the task at hand, player development, game preparation, getting your players to play closer to the full expression of their ability. Mm-hmm. And if you start to chase and worry and expend energy on things you don't have control over, eventually it's going to start to affect the things you do have control over. And again, that's broader than just basketball. Uh, That's really a key element to achievement in life. Sure. And um, so I understand when a coach at times loses it. Uh, My last year as a head coach at UCLA, uh, there was someone from the student newspaper that asked me the question, uh, coach, you know, who do you think would be best suited to take your place next year? Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, you know, I had wow. you know, three different <laughs> ways I could have gone. You know, I could have gone over the table and, uh, <laughs> you know, put my hands on his neck. I could have got real salty and grim uh, and defensive. And instead, what I did was list the five guys that I thought were most likely to take my place. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then guess what? I got criticism uh, for that. So you can't win. Yeah, of course. Uh, you take a lighthearted approach. And uh, I was going to break the story on my replacement. So I figured that would set up a career in broadcasting and journalism because that was my major in college. And uh, so you've got to you know, have great. some fun with it and, and realize in the grand scheme of things, just like this year relative to COVID and the challenges that we're facing not only in our country and college basketball, but around the world. Sure. And uh, there are always real struggles uh, that are, you know, east, west, north, or south of your campus and uh, east, west, north, or south of, of uh, our country. And so uh, really trying to keep things as best we can in perspective. It's still the toy department of life, as someone once said, when we look at sports, um, these are not life or death scenarios. They're a big business. And mm. uh, obviously, you know, games are significant because uh, coaches are paid well and they're trying to create that revenue for the university through getting the NCAA tournament or making a run to a big bowl game, BCS wise. And uh, you got to raise money and it's very competitive. But you also have to step back wider angle lens or prism and realize it is a game. And what's most important is helping young people get on a positive trajectory for the rest of their life. Yeah, And uh, that's the big picture, right? Whether a coach has been successful, what are his players doing 10, 20, 30, 40 years later? Uh, that's the real that's a great attitude uh, yeah. indication of, of what a coach, teacher or parent uh, has done in terms of, awesome. you know, working with young people. All right. Well, I'll tell Furman to shut his mouth. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> I think enough's enough. Absolutely. Well then, then his wife went after Furman and it was the greatest thing in the world. We got a yeah. good kick out of it. Uh, we've kept you a long time. All right, Harry, I promised you another question. If you, if you yeah. don't mind coach, go ahead, Harry. Well, yeah. Well, coach, don't freak out. Really, really think about what you're going to say. <laughs> and then okay. aside from Gonzaga and Baylor, as we discussed, is there another team you feel that can win this? If so, who is it? We asked him that. That was like the second question we asked. Well, he him. said Syracuse. <laughs> he but said, he talked Syracuse, but oh, who's going sakes. to win it? <laughs> All right. Aside from win? those two. What's going to be interesting to see is that added pressure when you're undefeated, right? No one has done it since Bobby Knight's Indiana Hoosiers in 76. Uh, John Wooden had four teams that went undefeated mm. and cut down the nets. Mm. We've had teams like UNLV under Tart that were undefeated in the regular season but then got upset. Uh, by Duke in the semifinals. So I'm curious to see how does Gonzaga respond as they go deeper in this tournament. And they're not only trying to win that national title, but they're trying to enter into that rare air of being undefeated. And does that start to inhibit, you know, create that paralysis from analysis? Or is this Gonzaga team just that good where they're cut above with the most NBA players, arguably of any team, in the country and in the field, uh, Baylor right there. But I think there is an edge to Gonzaga in terms of their personnel. And when you look through the history of the game, with few exceptions, the team that wins the national title has pros. There's the old phrase, it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmys and the Joes. Yep. And there's something to be said for that. Um, and those two teams, Baylor and Gonzaga, play with the greatest margin for error. And that's why they're one and two in the country and why they're the favorites to cut down the nets, but it's not a best of five. It's not best of seven. It's single elimination. And that's where any team in this field is capable of shocking. Mm -hmm. If you, if USC plays like they did against Kansas, mm -hmm. can they beat Gonzaga? No doubt. I mean, right now, Taj Edie back to transfers mm -hmm. was at Santa Clara. He's come in mm -hmm. as a shot maker and a playmaker. And then we know the Mobley brothers have a game within the game because they grew up together. Uh, they played together, and so they have an intuitive feel for one another and how to help each other play to their strengths, and those two have been fantastic. Isaiah Mobley in the shadow of Evan, because Evan's mm -hmm. the projected lottery pick, and deservedly so. He's a potential franchise-changing prospect with his size and his grace and his skill, but Isaiah quietly has been putting up big numbers, uh, yeah. both in terms of scoring, his shooting percentage, and rebounding as well, and uh, Andy Enfield has done a really solid job mm -hmm. at USC, right? Traditionally a football school way back, you know, Sam Barry had good teams forced too good. Um, 
and and you know Gus Williams and Paul Westfall uh, back in the day at USC had some really special teams. George Raveling had some squads as well. Henry Bibby. They've had tradition in basketball. Tim Floyd um, had a good run mm-hmm. uh, before it came to an end too soon with the Trojans. Mm-hmm. But Andy Enfield, uh, he's right up there in the history of USC basketball. If you look at the numbers he's delivering, and this year making the run in the tournament, uh, really answered, I think, some of the critics that were a little bit skeptical on Coach Enfield. But uh, I'm impressed with the personnel he's brought in. Jason Hart is his right hand, a really uh, outstanding coach who played at Syracuse with Jim Beheim and is from Southern California, uh, went to Inglewood High School where Paul Pierce went to school as well. Oh. So, uh, But USC is definitely capable, and you can't ever count out Jay Wright. Uh, he's kind of retooled his team. They've also gotten a good draw, and sometimes that's the breaks of the bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, but Michigan, uh, you know, going into the tournament prior to the injury, uh, I thought they were a team you know, capable of making a run. But Isaiah Livers was a veteran player who could knock down threes, could create off the bounce. And now with him out of the lineup, it allows teams to load up more on Dickinson down low and mm-hmm. Smith out top. And uh, my first year, St. John's, that old Big East, we sent 11 teams to the NCAA tournament, record setting. We finished third in the Big East or tied for third. And against Syracuse in the conference tournament, we lost DJ Kennedy, who was our most versatile player. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went from what would have been a three seed to a five or six seed, and we got shipped out west to play Gonzaga. Uh, but injuries late in the year are tough to overcome because you don't have the time to retool, to reinvent yourself, to practice together as a group. It's like losing a drummer before a world tour, a big performance. And uh, if the Beatles lost a vocalist or you know one of the instrumentalists, uh, that's going to affect the music. And in basketball, when you lose a key piece – uh, to your team, uh, it's hard to overcome that. And that's the only reason why I feel Michigan right now playing with a compressed margin for error because Isaiah Livers mm-hmm. is out. The Beatles might have been all right without Ringo. I don't know. I don't want to. That's, that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> Easy for us to say. That's right. That's right. Co- Coach, could I ask you a qu- real quick question? Sure. Does, does anybody actually call you Steve? Like growing up, all my coaches, I still refer to as coach, coach. Does, like in the coaching community, does everybody just call each other? Co- I just yep. envision everybody just saying coach, coach, coach. Is that <laughs> how it goes? Yeah. You know, Lav, Coach Lav, Coach. Uh, <laughs> my mother called me Steven because on my birth certificate, I'm an S-T-P-H-E-N. Right. And um, <laughs> when, you know, most often it was I'd done something wrong. So when I heard the Steven, <laughs> uh, disappointed. Yeah, yeah, it would have been weird for her to call done. you coach as like a five-year-old, but yeah, I think she, I think she made the right <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That would be a little peculiar. <laughs> I'm going to give you a chance here, coach, before we uh, send you off. You want the Indiana job? I can make some calls. I know a couple people. I know Todd Furman. Would you take the job if they offered it to you? <laughs> you know, what's interesting, I have become kind of an expert on following legends, right? With uh, Karnaseka, yeah. Lapchick, and McGuire, St. John's. <laughs> guy named John Wooden at UCLA. Yes. So that would be the trifecta following uh, Bob Knight, Everett Dean, and Branch McCracken and the other great well, Hoosiers. <laughs> I'm not sure if they'd ever hire a Boilermaker. Uh, you oh, know, being yeah. at Purdue, the rival mm-hmm. school, that's where I first <laughs> met Coach Wooden was with Purdue, and that played a part and ended up coming out to UCLA and really played a part uh, in terms of getting the job. I was an interim coach first and then became the coach in February on a permanent basis for seven years. But if I hadn't met Coach Wooden at Purdue, where he was always being honored or came back because uh, the school was having family reunions or he was given a presentation somewhere on campus, he was a three-time All-American at Purdue. Uh, mm-hmm. Orville Redenbacher went to Purdue. Great Is popcorn right? as well. Just, and yes. also a lot of astronauts <laughs> on the moon. And big dog Glenn Robinson going back to uh, yes. the golden years. Right. All right. <laughs> well, I, I think they'll take you nonetheless. We love you at uh, Fox Sports and <laughs> Would hate to lose you, but I'm I'm uh, submitting your name. I'm, whether you want, I appreciate whether you. Whether you want to play or not. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, guys. Enjoy Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Coach. Thank, Thank you. you. Awesome. Bye. Take care, man. <laughs> oh, he's great. That was a lot of fun. Coach Lavin, everybody. Yeah. Loved him breaking down that the zone, like how to beat the zone defense and stuff like yeah. that. That was... Uh, that's much to listen to. I love it. Love it. Darren, I, I he's got a, a, I, I, I didn't give it a good analysis, but I imagine it's like even if you, even if you spar against a lefty, you have a lefty opponent, right? Yeah. In boxing, you spar against a lefty. It's still 
you're still not going to get in a Pernell Whitaker type, right? Like, yeah, it just yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess, yeah, it's like that. Or if, you know, in football, if you're well, playing it, against like the double know, wings, right? If you're playing against Army it, or Navy and you haven't yeah. played against those teams, right, it's, right. It's, like that. it's the great question, though. And, you know, I, I, I guess you kind of, um, we didn't really ask him it, but kind of the question is the same. But if it's so difficult, why isn't everybody doing it? Right. So mm -hmm. at the same point, like, why doesn't everybody play that zone defense then? Right. 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 So, yeah, uh, I guess it's personnel, too. But uh, unbelievable. Uh, he is uh, he could probably talk coaching all day. Oh, yeah. Right. Sure. Unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. I, I wonder if he's ever I, I wonder if he's ever gotten thrown out of a game. Seems like too nice of a guy. Oh, let's but... get him, Jim, get, get him back on. Jim. We gotta <laughs> <have> him on. <laughs> Harry's got to ask him. Harry's got to ask him who's going to be Gonzaga again for a fourth time. <laughs> And, and, and Harry's got to ask Listen. him why he's the only one of us he's not following. Actually, oh, I forgot it. Damn it. Uh, I forgot. You know what? We'll have him on final four week. We'll, well uh, Darren, we'll Darren says, so good. like myself, who has a communications degree. Darren, you have always said people who get communications degree don't amount to anything. And that's a crap degree. Well, Coach Lavin has a communications degree, Darren. <laughs> that's not what I used to say to Dan Patrick when he was calling my uh, there you go. my room during uh Oh, my years at Dayton's, Harry. A lot Call of conversations. <laughs> yeah, Joel, what did you call my Joel, apartment all think? the time? Just call my apartment. What do you think Dan of uh, what do you think of uh, Harry's question there, Joel? You, you, he was like, if that was Coach K, I think Coach K might have chewed him out. <laughs> <laughs> no, Harry, Harry did a, He reminded me of like a nervous freshman journalism student, and he did a. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's yeah. sick. He was like, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Lavin, I mean, coach. Uh, is that what I said? Well, it was like Chris Farley interviewing uh, Paul McCartney on that. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, yes. You, yes. Jim, can Jim, can you take that and do like a video of that oh, later, please? Oh, I did. Good. At the end, uh, I did think Brian was going to ask him how much for the credenza. He, he, <laughs> he had a beautiful, a beautiful house. I should have asked him about that. Uh, All right. Yes, we're going to have to have Coach Lavin back to find out what goes on with the, why he's not following Harry on Twitter. I mean, I'm sure he has a good reason, right? And Harry, you may have scared him away. I noticed he took a drink uh, every time you asked him a question. Did you notice that too? I didn't, I didn't see that. He, he did. He drank, he drank his whiskey every time. It's so funny. Uh, all right, Sharp Tank. Harry, you hit your first Sharp Tank earlier in the week. We did a show Tuesday. Yeah. Lock it in again. Go 2-0. and oh. Who do you like? Well, uh, FanDuel has some nice uh, player props with teams already. So I'm going to take it plus 280 here. Plus 280. Arkansas to win their game against Oral Roberts, and that Moses Moody and Justin Smith both score 15 points or more. Like I said, plus 280. I mean, Arkansas, this is a rematch. These two teams played the season already, and Arkansas mm. won, put up 87 points. They won the game by 11. Uh, Moody had 18 mm. in that game. Smith had 22. They combined that game for 16 of 32 shooting. I'm looking for the same type of performance at plus 280 for Moses Moody and Justin Smith to both score 15 or more and Arkansas to win. Meanwhile, Arkansas is minus 620 on the money line just to win the game mm. at plus 280. I think that's not too shabby. I like that, but what do I do? I mean, his bed ache had to do with player props, losing by like a half a point or a half of assist or something. So, all right, all right. I got I to gotta consider everything. All right, Parley Kid, your sharp tank pick. Yeah, I got something very similar, Sal. Uh, I'm going to be mm -hmm. taking Baylor to win combined with Macy Oteague mm. over 15 plus points. Okay. And that gets you plus 115. I know you love Baylor to win this game. Yeah. And now you get Teague, who averages 16 points a game, but scored nine against Wisconsin. But the previous five averaged 23 plus points a game. Wow. He's got to get to 15. I think he bounces back off that nine. He's only had three games, and that was one of them where he didn't score in double digits this year. I think he bounces back off one of his worst performances of the year, gets his 15 points, Baylor wins. It's plus 115. Really like this mm, one. I like that, too. I like that one, too. All right. Well, Harry, should I just pick that one? Just let me know. <laughs> I do I'm like that one. Man, yours. All right, brother Bry, what do you got? I'm struggling here, guys. My <laughs> repu my reputation's at stake. Uh, at stake. I have I've sucked on these best bets recently. I am going to go uh, 
women's college basketball. I've <laughs> yes. been really I've been really good at it. Again, I don't know what it is about. Then you win seven hundred dollars yesterday. Don't be bashful. Yeah. You're yes, I did. I've hoops. also bet like three thousand dollars on women's basketball the last like three days. Nice. I won't say anything. I had I had South wow. Carolina. I had like a thousand dollars on South Carolina win like three hundred the other day. It was great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm debating here. I'm debating, guys. Do I want to touch UConn minus fifteen and a half? against mm. Iowa because I, I do think they're going to Iowa has one of the best freshmen in, oh. in college basketball but I think they're going to blow mm. them out but I'm going to you know what I'm going to go with I went with Texas last night getting seven I'm going to go back with them getting 13 and a half against Maryland um, mm. one of the reasons I do like Texas a lot is their coach Vic Schaefer he's always a big time coach for Mississippi State before moving over to Texas mm-hmm. uh, we have a girl from Long Island from Long Island Lutheran Celeste Taylor who plays for uh, for Texas. So I've been following them a lot. They're a tough team. They really only struggled with Baylor this year. Now they're playing Maryland. Who's been blowing everybody out of the water, scoring like a hundred, 110 points a game. But I think Texas will slow it down. It was very similar to the UCLA, UCLA. They, they kind of just beat them up, but Maryland's favored by 13 and a half. It's an mm. awful lot of, awful, awful lot amount of points. Again, I'm putting my, uh, women's basketball or women's sports reputation on the line here. And I will take Texas plus 13 and no a half. one no male or woman watches more uh female college sports or pro sports no, than brother brian no, you got no, definitely, uh, definitely I, have not. To say. I, I had three tvs on last night of women's basketball unbelievable nice job <laughs> by you the lady longhorns plus 13 and a half uh bad teague Baylor to win and teague over 15 points or moody and smith for arkansas over 15 and arkansas wins I do like yours, Harry. I don't want to have to worry about two players, though. I get it. It's 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 vastly different odds from the Parley kids. I think I'm going to go with Darren's. Macy Teague over 15 points. Baylor wins. Is that it? That that's on Fanduel. You could do that. It's on Fanduel. It's it's 15 or over. So 15 or over. You get to 15, 15 or win. over. Yes. All right. Yep. I choose 15. Do we that's have to perfect. decide now? Okay. Yeah. 15 <laughs> or over. I like Teague and uh, Baylor wins. That's plus. 115. Well, that was a fun show. We did the Sunday awesome. picks. We went over the uh, ho-hum NBA uh, uh, trade deadline. And Steve Lavin, was he terrific or what? Oh, so, so good. good. Answered 40 so questions. Good. Maybe we have Who back. wouldn't want to yeah. play for a guy like that, right? Though? Right. Like, yeah. Oh, my. Sign me up. Sign me up. I'll, you know, unbelievable. Yeah, I know. All right, Parley Kid, we'll play, play for Steve Lavin. I hope that gets out there. <laughs> Darren, um, Darren's got <laughs> eligibility. Eligibility. <laughs> hey, Joel Solomon, you did something interesting today, right? Or was that yesterday? No, you did. Oh, you uh, you tried the chicken sandwich from McDonald's, right? Oh my God, my wife listens to this podcast. Come <laughs> no, on. she doesn't. Not this far. I mean, we're we're an hour I five did. in. I How did. was it, Joel? It will it will not be advancing in my bracket. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, my son had it, and I took a bite the other day, and they tried to do. The thing where they put it in the bag like Chick-fil-A in that little half uh, yeah. the foil bag. And the, that was the best part of the McDonald's yeah. chicken sandwich. I knew right away. I knew right well, away, Sal, Joel. I took a half a bite. Yeah. I will say that, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken does the same thing with their chicken sandwich, their new chicken sandwich. With the uh, with the bag? Yeah. Yeah. And their chicken sandwich on a scale of one to ten gets a 15. No, it doesn't. No, I thought you preferred Popeye's, Harry. It's, it's Popeyes good. No, no, no. It's good. Popeye's no? chicken sandwich, it's fantastic too. But Kentucky Fried Chickens, it's very, very tasty. Let me let me tell you something. <laughs> I am a big Chick-fil-A guy. And Popeye's kicks its ass. And then and then nobody else. And we've Chick-fil-A had Chick-fil-A is too expensive. <coughs> World renowned chef David Chang says Popeye's chicken is better than his. Like he's like a Korean, like a, he, he, it's a crazy, crazy uh it's crazy yeah. award winning chef. And he's like, no, that's the best shit right there. Mm-hmm. I, I've not. I, I've had the Kentucky Fried Chicken. Fifteen, Harry. The I new sandwich, though. The new chicken yeah, sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <coughs> Coughing it up right now. Yeah, Joel. I don't. It's not <laughs> worth it. It's not worth it. I don't know if we lose a sponsor, McDonald's, or what. But <laughs> I took one bite. No. I don't know why I doubt you. You told me don't. I, I told you. I, I, I told you the, the new cheese. McRib isn't yeah. good. I don't know. McDonald's is still great, but um, is, is that how Harry was eligible to get the vaccine? He walked in with eating KFC, <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, you need you need this." By the way, obesity is a condition <laughs> here. Out, out here, it's stupid. I've said it what? out here. Like 
Like it, right now, it's like when people try to get a mar medical marijuana card, they just lied to a doctor and said they had glaucoma or something. And like, okay, like, yeah, I, like I did. Yes. Oops. And now it's the same thing kind of with the vaccine. People are just making stuff up. But one of the conditions is obesity. And I was thinking it would be funny if you didn't quite qualify, but you had to gain like 25 pounds in 10 days <laughs> <laughs> to get this, this shot that's going to save your life. Uh, what do you think, Jim? Can we make a movie out of that or something? I don't know. Uh, that's great. Yeah, I don't think it matters anymore. Uh, uh, all right, what are you bozos doing this weekend, Brian? A lot of a uh, lot of college basketball, women's and men's, right? Brian froze on us. I think. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I, he's smiling. I wasn't that funny. <laughs> all right, Harry, what do you got going on? Uh, I will probably miss a little bit of the games early on Saturday. I'll be driving back from Palm Springs to back to Phoenix, but I will be in time home for the Syracuse game. Definitely at uh seven o'clock Pacific. So can't wait for that mm, one. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. 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 Uh, mm. parlay kid. What do you got going? Yeah. I, I, I bet you Harry only watches maybe about half of that game. If he's lucky, we know how this goes for Harry. Uh, Let's no, go. So just basketball. Um, Let's go. What do we got? Orange. What is, uh, When's opening day here, Sal? It's got to be coming Thursday. up. Thursday. Uh, Next Thursday, right? No, so so we got to get in, dive into some baseball uh, well, action. Here's on what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Tuesday's podcast is all baseball, and then Thursday we'll cover the Final Four. Maybe we that have Jim Piacenti on. Maybe Man. we have Paul LaDuca. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out. Uh, yeah, so it's oh, April 1st. Yeah, Thursday. that's going to be great. There's a lot of – it's very exciting with baseball, with the, uh, the way the Mets and Yankees look yeah. this year. So a lot of excitement in New York. Yeah, just sell. I'm at the Chalk Talker. Be watching, uh, you know, a lot of uh, the basketball this weekend. It's going to be very entertaining. Very, very entertaining. entertaining for sure. All right, we uh, missed uh, Brother Bry. He's at the Brother Bry. He uh, he got cut off here. And Harry, you're he never at leaves a his house anyway. So at AAO Harry and Jim Cunningham, the eyes are ones. Yes, sir. At Jim Cunningham, and the eyes are ones. All right, Joel, stay away from the McDonald's chicken sandwich, and that'll do it. For another episode of Against All Odds, download, listen, subscribe to all the podcasts at extrapoints.com. For the degenerate trifecta, heel producer Jim Cunningham and the great Steve Lavin. So long and happy handicapping. Na, 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 na,